We would like to say a special thank you to Chris and Jen Nelson in gratitude for the ministry of Pastor Dave Zelmer for sponsoring this week's episode. The gospel is not love. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. That's the commandment Jesus gives his disciples in this week's text. And loving one another is the law that is commonly mistaken for the gospel. As you'll hear Sarah Stenson and Dr. Chris Krogan explain, loving one another is not the gospel. And the gospel is not loving one another. In fact, we explore the depths of what Jesus meant by just as I have loved you in this week's conversation. But before we dive in, here's this week's lectionary text, John chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have both of Sarah Stenson and Dr. Chris Krogan with us this week. Thanks for being here, both of you. Thank Great you. To be back. We're in the uh, 13th chapter of John's Gospel, uh, and it starts out in this way, when he had gone out. And so the context is, what's who's he? Who's going out? Who's going out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this is, a, it's an interesting gospel to throw in the middle of Easter. Yeah. Because uh, it's, it's actually uh, Judas, and this is right at the beginning where Jesus had told Judas, do what you must, and he hands him the red, and Jesus, Judas goes out to betray Jesus. So in the middle of Easter, you're back into uh, Judas, who had the devil enter him into Judas and then go out uh, to betray Judas. So that's the context, which is important because pretty much in the next sentence, glory mm-hmm. is going to be the Son of Man is glorified through this event. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and just, it, this is an easy thing to jump over. But, uh, so verse 31, when he had gone out, Jesus said, now the Son of Man has been glorified. And that hmm. that um, adverb, actually, in Greek is noon, does mean now, but it means now as the logical result of what is preceding. 
or in light of what has gone before. That's the definition of the Greek word noon. So what Jesus is saying here is that in light of Judas' betrayal, the Son of Man has been glorified. And that glory now comes in the death of Jesus Christ. So it is, um, it's, a, it's a consequential word there, noon, now, in light of what has happened, Judas' mm-hmm. betrayal. So Jesus is glorified by being betrayed. Yes. Yeah. Now he has been glorified. Which is why it's important to hear, have yeah. that context before you get into this verse of what happened, who is he is that went out, because you don't think about betrayal as starting your glory. Mm-hmm. But it actually is because the, the glory that, that is spoken of here then, you know, sinners will think glory is, is some kind of great, you know, success story or, you know, we're going to win the lottery or we've won the big game or something like that. That's not what the glory is. The glory is actually Christ's glory is that he conquers sin, death, and the devil. How? By taking on the sin, death, and the devil. And so when Judas is grabbed by the devil and goes out to betray Jesus... And thus, Jesus is sinned against. This is how this glory is going to start to be um, brought to Jesus, is he takes on the sin of the world and conquers sin of the devil through experiencing it. Yeah. And the, again, I'll bring the Greek in there on the glory. It's dexazo, which is glory. It means to glorify. But the more specific definition is to ascribe weight by recognizing the real substance or value. So what that Greek word is saying, or the import of that Greek word, is that the real substance, the real value, the glory of the Son of Man, Jesus, is in the cross, his death and resurrection. And again, as Chris just said, that is absolutely not our human sense or understanding of glory at all. It is diametrically opposed to our understanding or what we immediately think of or hear in the word glory. And he continues on, uh, uh, if God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Uh, And then he says, little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Now we just celebrate Easter. So we kind of have an idea where Christ is going. Uh, but what's he mean by this? Why can't one come? Yeah. Cause we thought he just died on the cross. So right. we could go but bef- to where he's going. Hold that thought. Cause before we get there, there's something that's, um, it helps set this up. Of why you can't go on, yeah. on God has been glorified in him. So that's the very end of verse 31. So now the son of man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him, in Jesus, in the son of man. And so what that is saying, and it does lead into what you were heading into there, sure. Adam. Yeah. Um, so how is God glorified in Christ? Well, God's love is revealed in the very fact that he sent his only son to die that death on the cross so John to take on our sin in the flesh. John 3.16 is talking about the glory of the Father. Mm-hmm. Yep. For God so loved the world, he sent his son, his son to die. That's what is a glorifying of God, the Father. 
and not just to die, but to literally take on the every betrayal. Everyone betrayed Jesus Christ, which is, by the way, our same betrayal to this day. So it wasn't just that he died. He died by taking on our sin in his flesh. So, right. And that's, that's the hard part of, of trying to wrap your mind around this, is that when you say that, conquering sin, mm-hmm. death, and the devil, mm-hmm. that sounds pretty heroic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'm going to destroy death and end it once and for all. Right, like and this the is, there is actually an atonement theory, movie. a Christus Victor, the victory of Christ. Yeah, that's exactly right. That, that sounds a lot like glory, but mm-hmm. then when you actually realize the definitions that you're un- unpacking here, that Jesus had to be sinned against by the whole world. Mm-hmm. He had yes. to take sin into his flesh. And he had to die the worst death in the yes. history of mankind yes. in order to be glorified. Mm-hmm. He had to be betrayed and in order to be by his that? closest associates, exactly. he had to be betrayed by his friends, the ones who claimed to love him. The ones who saw him performing miracles, forgiving sin, raising people from the dead. But again, this is how God has been glorified in Jesus, is by sending his only son to do everything we're talking about. To be forsaken. So it's a whole nother level. That's why I wanted to to be sure we hit this before we move into the verses where you were looking, uh, verse 32 and 3 there, Adam, or 33 and 4, um, because we've got Jesus has been glorified, and now God has been glorified in Jesus. So it's, it's like a, this incredible weight or doubling and tripling down on our understanding of dexazo, glory, and what that really means here. And so what a lot of people think then that glory is, is that you're brought up to a higher level of spiritual spirituality and stuff. And so they'll read then into Jesus' words, where I am going, you cannot come. Mm-hmm. And so they'll be thinking, oh, you mean he's going to go off into heaven or he's going to get a new spiritual plane. That's not it at all. That's not what Jesus is saying. Rather, Jesus is saying that you cannot choose to love in the manner that Jesus is going to love. Mm-hmm. You cannot be so self-giving. You will not be able to literally hand your life over to your betrayers like I'm going to do. In some sense, they can't because he's already going to do it. But and then he turns around and forgives them. Yes. That's that's the rest of this. This is also part of the glory, the unfairness of his mercy. Mm Mm-hmm. He actually is resurrected and forgives his betrayers. Yeah, so so Jesus is going to literally let them do the worst to him, mm-hmm. which none of us would be capable of doing that. You, you're not going to be able to do that. You're, our instinct is self-preservation. Yep. And so we don't have it in ourselves to love unconditionally. We only love conditionally. Jesus loved unconditionally. The Father loved unconditionally so much that he sent Jesus to be betrayed and killed. And then the glory is going to, Jesus is going to turn around and not treat them the way they deserve, but give them mercy, which is the key. You won't, we can't do that either. In our world, I don't care how hard you try, you'll never, ever be able to forgive somebody unconditionally. No, no. And I actually... When and I went, that's so tough. Oh, it is, but it's honest because we hear all sorts of platitudes. Um, forgive and about, forget. Exactly. Forgive and forget. or A mother's even, love. 
Yeah, well, I'm, mothers yeah, I'm, never I'm just forget. Like, I'm telling you right you were, now. <laughs> as you were talking about that, I'm running through every relationship that you could possibly. Yes. You know, your friends. Could you forgive your friends? Could could you could you love your friends? Could you love your spouse? Could you love your your children? Yes. Like even your father. love for your children. That's it's all, that's conditional. all conditional. And forgiveness on a human level, there is always, and I mean always, in the back of your head, a yes, but. So if you are betrayed, now we're talking about betrayal with Jesus. If you are betrayed by a friend, a family member, someone you love, in human terms, now human to human, if you are betrayed and you say, I forgive you, I guarantee there will always be a yes but in your head. You'll protect yourself. You, you can come to terms with it. You can forgive them as much as we can as a human being. And you will learn how to adjust or adapt to the betrayal in order to keep moving in relationship with that person, whomever it is. But you will never be able to truly, freely forgive that person the way God forgives us. Without reservation, without condition, without yes, but in the back of his head. So this is, is part of what Jesus is getting at, where cannot, I'm going, you cannot you, come. You're not you can't capable. do this. You can't. It's not that you don't want to. Right. It's just you can't, which hmm. is a huge thing to come to terms with, which is why the next verse is right. even bigger. Right. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. So what's Jesus saying here? Now, this is an interesting piece. It's a piece of the law. He's it, giving them a new law. Exactly. Not, He's not, not a new gospel. giving the gospel, yeah, <clears throat> which is very important because a lot of people will say, but Jesus said, do this, so therefore he's giving us the gospel, right? No. He, he doesn't identify it as a gospel. He identifies it as a law. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the it is love. Love one another. So we will say this very clearly, as plainly as we can, the gospel is not love. Love is not the gospel, our love. When Jesus says, I give you a new commandment, a new law, that you love one another, Mason made a note here, context clue, people. It literally says <laughs> commandment. This is not the gospel. forgiveness. The gospel is Jesus Christ forgives you all your sin. It is not the law. The gospel that is because not Because of law. love. I mean, the function it, of its law, it? too. It's telling you yeah. to do yes. something. So the gospel giving you a new giving commandment. You so yeah, even if you yeah, say that again. The gospel <laughs> is giving you something. Yeah. <laughs> right. The yeah. gospel yeah. frees you. The law binds you. Yeah. That tells you what to do. The gospel frees you, does not bind you. Yep. So, it, but he still gives it. Yeah. Yeah. So what... Absolutely. So, and, and we don't have to get in, I guess... What does it mean to love one another? I mean, that's the question. Just as I have loved you, you should also love one another. He continues mm-hmm. on. Yep. Mm-hmm. What What's he? What is he asking of us? Yeah. He's saying he's saying you love one another. That is to say, you're going to have to forgive the very people that have been closest to you that have betrayed you, mm-hmm. as well as your enemies. And so he's demanding this of you. And this is again what the law does. When Jesus, this is the interesting thing about Jesus, when he, and God himself, when he gives you a command, it doesn't necessar- necessarily mean you're able to do it. In fact, you can't. And that's a key point to this. And the, the way we shorthand this, the ought, 
the command does not imply the can, as if we can do it. Yeah, hmm. does not imply the can. We cannot do it. Just because Jesus says do this or don't do that does not mean well, I mean, we're you able look to at do all it or those not. People that stress this, even in society, in yeah. daily life, and it's like good for them. But everyone has one person, mm-hmm. at least, that they don't like, they don't respect, they don't, they avoid at all costs. Like, I mean, it's just mm-hmm. to err is to human, mm-hmm. and it's just it, how it, it is. is. We are we actually we are bound to do that. We are bound to sin. One of the things that, that, again, the Greek is helpful here, is um, the last verse. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, and this is the loving one another, if you have love for one another. So in the Greek, that if you have love, it is actually among one another. It's if you have love among, or in the Greek it's N-E-N, which means in, on, or among, one another. So the emphasis here in the Greek, in this text, is actually on love within the Christian community. I'm going to go out on a limb here to say a lot of sermons are going to be preached on this text that are wagging pastors wagging their fingers, saying, now, Jesus is telling us to get out there, get busy, you know, love the world in whatever form that takes. But Jesus is specifically now addressing his disciples, his little community of betrayers there. And he's saying specifically, if you have love among one another, among one another. So so to give the context of what he's commanding or demanding from, just as I have loved you, how did Jesus love? He handed his Life. life over to be sinned against, and then he turned and forgave them. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's what he's commanding us to do is to have mercy on those who sin against us. So that's why it's among one another. And if you are actually living in a community where you can actually absolve one another in Christ, then they will know you are my, my disciples. Mm-hmm. And so that's how you know a disciple is someone saying, I pronounce to you the entire forgiveness of your sin for Christ's sake. And this is not the way God's going to see you, and we're going to keep living in this community, doing this to one another, giving ourselves over, watching you sin against one another, but then forgiving yourself in that community. It has nothing to do that you're going to be an example example of, of betterness, or you're going to be more better to equality or welcoming the poor or all that kind of stuff. No, that's not what A he's specific, saying. A you specific know, social justice cause, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. You're not going to be, they will know we are Christians by our love, and therefore we go out and do caritas, charity. Right. Nope, that's not what they're saying. God's work, our hands, nope, that's not what he's saying. He's saying, you will actually have mercy for one another in my name. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Sarah Stenson and Dr. Chris Krogan for teaching us what it truly means for Christ to be glorified and for God to be glorified in Christ. God's love is revealed in that he sent his only son to die and take on our sin, not just to die, but to take on every betrayal. Jesus is glorified because 
those who claim to love him betrayed him. His glory and our victory comes because he was forsaken. If you've ever found yourself wondering about a certain term or concept we discussed on Scripture First, we have dozens and dozens of free resources on our website to help you learn about Lutheranism and the freeing gospel of Jesus Christ saving us from our sins. We have videos from everything from the distinction between the law and the gospel to the meaning of baptism to breaking down Luther's key teachings, such as the bound will and the freedom of a Christian. Go to lutherhouseofstudy.org to learn more. Luther House of Study's mission is to strengthen Lutheran leadership and ministries for the proclamation of the gospel. We wouldn't be able to serve current and future ministry professionals, as well as members of the church, without the generous support of people just like you. If you or your congregation is interested in sponsoring an episode of Scripture First, please send our co-director, Sarah Stenson, an email at sarah.stenson at lutherhouseofstudy.org. That's S-A-R-A-H dot S-T-E-N-S-O-N at lutherhouseofstudy.org. You can find our email in the show notes or find more information about supporting Luther House of Study at lutherhouseofstudy.org. Thanks again for joining us this week. Remember, God is glorified in Christ. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.